Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford in with you. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. Kind of forgot that we weren't even on the air on the Friday, but nevertheless, we were live and local throughout the day. But the normal lineup is back, and today wanted to start off talking about everything that happened from the weekend. We had the 49ers get their win over the Vikings. We had the Warriors get that W over the Clippers yesterday. At 12.30, and I'd love to do an hour-long show on just why the NBA decides to put this game on a Sunday. Very unfortunate doing it at 12.30, but nevertheless, the Warriors still got the win. And then we have some baseball free agency going on as well as players are getting signed. Kevin Gosman officially with the Toronto Blue Jays. We are having moves being made within Major League Baseball. But I want to start off talking about this football team and the 49ers, that is, as they've pulled off three straight, getting that win over the Vikings yesterday. And before we get to any of the details from the game, specifically Debo Samuel and the way that Kyle Shanahan is able to use that run game to his advantage, I just want to play the highlight of my favorite play from the game, and this happened in the Vikings' second-to-last possession. Rallied by eight, fourth and goal. I really like this call by Mike Zimmer. Defense has been up and down as far as defending the run and defending that 49ers offense, so you go for the points here and try to tie the game up. Play clock winding down and a timeout taken by Minnesota. It doesn't sound like much. <laughs> it doesn't sound like much. But what you heard there is the Vikings taking a timeout. And that's because Kirk Cousins did not know where to line up. 
The one where he did not know where to line up. He lined up under the guard. So the the Vikings are driving downfield, and they're at a point where there's a possibility that they could uh, get a touchdown. They're getting toward the red zone, and Cousins is just, you know, dinking and doinking downfield. And it gets to a point where they're on San Francisco's 34-yard line. They take their first timeout. Then they move forward. They take another timeout. And then to close out the series, when they're driving downfield and don't want to use another timeout because they still only have one left in the game, they decide that Kirk Cousins is going to line up under the right guard. And you see Alexander Madison in the back, the running back who had to come in for Dalvin Cook, who was hurt uh, because of injury. Alexander Madison is yelling at Kirk, telling him to get under center. Hey, you're in the wrong position. Then you see the right tackle stand up, and this is all happening with five seconds left to go in the game, and nothing came of it. They ended up calling the final timeout and couldn't make anything happen. It was still 34-26, to and they would end up getting uh, one more chance. Uh, it just so happens. Now, they had about eight minutes left in the game after they had the turnover on downs there because they went for it on fourth and goal. But then Robbie Gold, of course, would miss the field goal and give the Vikings another chance to try and get back into the game. But that play right there is why people are so down on Kirk Cousins. That's why. Anytime you're... Because you heard it on the broadcast. You heard it uh, with Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma. You heard them talking about how people never put Kirk Cousins in the in the conversation with the good quarterbacks in the NFL. Even though he has one of the best touchdown interception ratios in the game. It's not because of the stats. It's not because... No, he can't throw the ball. It's not because there are certain situations in the games where you're afraid to, you're not afraid to use them. It's not different things like that. It's the fact that in these big moments, when it comes down to it, sure, he has some fourth quarter comebacks in his career, but when it's a game of this magnitude, you know, when you're both your teams are five and five, you're in the thick of the NFC wild card wild card race, and as a matter of fact, if Washington gets a win tonight, they take over that seventh spot in the wild card. So it would go Rams, 49ers, and then Washington if they end up do if they end up winning tonight. But that's the reason why everyone is down on Kirk Cousins for plays like that, where they're driving downfield and you can make some plays, but in crunch time, there are just moments where it's just boneheaded. And you're wondering, what the hell are you doing, Kirk Cousins? But that was my favorite play of the game right there. I love that moment. Love that moment because this game in the 34-26 win, it was crazy. It had everything. It really did. It, I kind of felt like uh, Stefan from Saturday Night Live, Bill Hader's character, when I was watching this game, I was like, this game has everything. But it had the interceptions. It had the turnovers. It had runs like this from Debo Samuel. Wilson in for Mitchell. Debo Samuel in the backfield. This is Samuel on first and 10 from the 20. He's inside the 10. The 5 still going to the end zone. Touchdown. Now, that happened later in the game, but the third quarter alone You had another Debo Samuel touchdown. Now that was in the first quarter. That was early on. Now that was the that was the one where you're thinking, okay, 
they got this one in here because that play with Debo, that specific touchdown, it felt like the Vikings had read it. They'd already tried running with Debo once, and they stuffed him like four yards behind the line of scrimmage. But then on the opposite end, after um, you know when they when they finally get the ball downfield and they have an opportunity here, when Elijah Mitchell's running the ball well, they give the ball to Debo Samuel on the jet sweep, and he goes in for a twenty yard touchdown. That happened early in the game to give the 49ers uh, the tie, at least, to cut the deficit um, when the when the Vikings scored the first touchdown of the game. But I looked to that third quarter alone just to show how crazy everything was. So the Niners kick off the second half. They go eight plays, 85 yards. They just stroll downfield with some big plays from Elijah Mitchell and Debo, of course. And then, of course, they had the penalty, and somehow they were able to overcome that. But Debo was the guy who scored the touchdown to make it 21-14. to Then Kirk Cousins would follow it up with one of the dumbest interceptions that I've seen in quite a while where he's at what his own 21 and somehow he's throws it to Adam Thielen even though Adam Thielen was covered by two defenders and then Aziz Alshair was right there and was able to snag it but you had the interception then the 49ers would follow it up with a touchdown to make it 28 to 14 then the Vikings would follow it up with a seven play 75 yard drive of their own to make it 28 to 20 and the 49ers would be held to a field goal to make it 31 to 20. Then you had the return for a touchdown to make it 31 to 26. Then the 49ers run seven plays for 25 yards. They punt the ball away. And then on the first play of the drive after the 49ers punted it and they were the Vikings were down 31 to 26, that was the play where they drew the fumble with Dalvin Cook, and that was the play subsequently where Cook would get hurt, and then Gold would go on to uh, to make the field goal and then have it be 34-26. to 26. But then the last drive of the game would be that 15-play, 60-yard drive that lasted six minutes but would end in the turnovers on turnover on downs because Kirk Cousins lined up under the right guard and they weren't ready on that fourth down play. That third quarter alone was Insane. But let's focus on Debo Samuel. I don't think it's any mistake that the 49ers have had one of the best run games in football these past three weeks ever since they started putting Debo Samuel in the backfield. There was a specific play that I do want to point out, and it's and, and it's kind of just uh, it, it, it's one that you're not really going to pay attention to as far as how the game worked out. It didn't have anything to do with the score. It it was really just a first down by Elijah Mitchell. But it was a play where Elijah and Jimmy Garoppolo are in the shotgun. Elijah's lined up to his left. And Debo's lined up along uh, uh, to the right side of the formation. I think he's lined up in the slot. Jimmy Garoppolo calls for him to motion, so he moves a back foot or whatever, tells him to come through, you know, go motion to the other side of the field. And Debo is running behind Garoppolo as if he's about to get the football. They snap it at the perfect time, right in sync. Instead, Garoppolo hands it to Elijah Mitchell. He bounces off the left side, around the left tackle, and then he goes for a first down. But then you see on the other side that Debo is taking the attention of Harrison Smith, the safety. 
and you left Elijah Mitchell one on one with uh, with the with the cornerback. He had some daylight there. But the reason being is because of that motion that you had with Debo Samuel and Harrison Smith is thinking, oh, I gotta find so I gotta I gotta find some way to block this Debo guy because they, he's the one that has the hot hand right now. But instead, they hand it off to Elijah Mitchell and he goes for the first down. That play alone right there shows how dangerous Debo is as a runner. I look at it like this, and I'm not saying it's exactly the same thing, but when you're watching Steph Curry, you know that the defense is drawn toward him. Anytime that he gets the ball, the defense is going to try to suffocate him, no matter how many guys it takes, whether it takes two or three guys. But there's that one play. It's the same type of thing with Debo Samuel. There's that one play that shows, oh, they're thinking about him. Then there was that other play with that third down. It was a first, it was a third down call, and it was a pass to Ayuk. It was a, a play action pass, and Ayuk had all sorts of time. He was really, it, it, you could say that the four defenders were essentially making one big box, and Ayuk was right in the middle of it. Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball right to him, and there were four direct, four defenders all around him. But you realize that those defenders are paying so much attention to Debo. He's made a huge difference with this team, and overall, his stats yesterday... It's not like anything that you've seen. This is the first time, I think, in a Super Bowl era where a wide receiver has scored three tu- three rushing touchdowns on three consecutive weeks. Um, we were having the conversation on Friday when Coz and Lowe were in for the morning roast saying, who would you rather have for the next five years? Would you rather have Debo Samuel or Justin Def- Jefferson? And really, I would have gone Justin Jefferson, no doubt. If you were to ask me this question, you know, prior to the season or even within the middle of the season, but now seeing the type of attention that he draws and seeing him being used in this way these past three weeks, I would have changed my mind on that. Six carries, 66 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And yet again, he only had one reception for 12 yards on his four targets because actually I don't think um, Garoppolo had his best game. He was... Okay, 17 for 26, 230 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was okay, but really, it's Debo to me who... This is the reason why we put him in that MVP conversation last week. When everyone was uh, when everyone was getting on me about you know how all these other guys are MVP and I'm saying no he's not necessarily the MVP but if you're gonna have to choose the one guy from this 49ers team who deserves to be within that MVP conversation it is Debo Samuel right now and he is the reason why it's gonna be so tough for defensive coordinators to try and game plan for this dude to try and game plan for this team because oh yeah the other wide receiver you have Brandon Ayuk. He's still a second-year wide receiver who's pretty damn good. Elijah Mitchell, a very good running back. I thought he was running hard yesterday. George Kittle, they will use George Kittle when they need to. And speaking of Elijah Mitchell, before we do get to the break, I just want to mention this too. Jonathan Vilma on the Fox broadcast, rightfully so, was calling Elijah Mitchell an unselfish player. Mr. Unselfish is what they were calling him. But after all, he took the 27 carries for 133 yards in the touchdown. And the reason he was calling him Mr. Unselfish is because of the way that he would block for Debo. But how about Jeff Wilson? Jeff Wilson, who, you know, he was the number two guy behind Raheem Mostert. 
And, you know, granted, if you would have told somebody that, if you would have told me that Raheem Mostert went down prior to the season, if you would have told me Raheem Mostert goes down, I would have told you, okay, so Jeff Wilson's probably going to be that next guy. But, of course, Jeff Wilson was hurt also, so he couldn't be. But Jeff Wilson, to me, is also Mr. Unselfish. That dude is out there blocking on those Debo runs. It's pretty much a guarantee that Debo's going to run when Jeff Wilson is there uh, in the shotgun with him. It's almost a guarantee that it's going to be him, it's going to be Kittle, and they're going to be blocking for Debo, and Debo's going to be able to bounce to the outside. But what Debo's doing, I I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. How are you supposed to even tackle this guy? What, you're just going to go head on with them? Well, you better have like five steps worth of running that you're able to get, a five-step head start that you're able to get if you're going to go head on with them. What, are you going to try and tackle them from the side? You better be coming at as good of an angle as possible just so you could actually get him down, and you better be going to his legs. What, are you going to try and strip the football because he's already got the first down? Can't do that. You're going to go high on him, and then he's just going to, you're just going to bounce right off him. Like, that's the type of effect that Debo has. It's pretty insane to watch that game. 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on the program. Coming up next, we'll get to the updates with Debo Samuel, though, because from the 408, not going to lie, I held my breath when Debo went down. We'll get to the updates regarding Debo's injury as well as a couple of more uh, that will have an impact on this future, uh, on this roster uh, going forward for this season. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but that third quarter in the 49ers game over the Vikings as the 49ers got the big win. And this was the one last week where I was saying on this Sunday, no, this isn't going to be the game that gets you over the top. But to me, as far as me thinking the 49ers are a playoff team and that they can make some waves, this was the one game right here that put it over the top for me. I know it's against a, a, a team like the Minnesota Vikings, but they were pretty convincing in their win. And minus a return touchdown that gave the Vikings a ton of momentum and maybe a missed field goal by Robbie Gold toward the end that actually gave the Vikings another chance to get back in it. 
I thought the 49ers were completely dominant in that game. And that's the one to me where, you know, it showed, I think, that they can contend within the NFC. But that third quarter was as, sane, was as insane as they'll come. And before we get to the details from that, because there was one little key thing that I missed out on, let's get to J.J. in San Jose who wants to talk about this 49ers team. What's going on, J.J.? Hey, what's up? Good morning, nice guy. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. You know, that was a that was a really cool win. Uh, you know what? Like I will I will I will um go uh take off what you said just now though. Uh I wouldn't say they dominated the whole game because I yeah. do think that the I think Adam Thielen was giving him all they Adam Thielen was giving him all they could handle right. in the first half. But I do believe that they made a necessary adjustment, which definitely I think the Niners are playing inspired football because yeah. they were getting their butts chewed, their butts chewed for like a month, and now look, look how many guys got hurt yesterday. Warner, Bosa got banged up. Uh, Sam, all these guys because they were playing hard because they knew what was at stake. And I bet you, from here on out, they're running the table. And, they, and I, don't, I don't know about going all the way, but they definitely making some noise. I appreciate the phone call, JJ. And, and, and the reason that I say they, they dominated was that the Vikings were doing it with these big plays, you know, where they break off with a big run from Dalvin Cook like they did after the 49ers scored a touchdown to go up two scores. And then they would follow it up with Dalvin Cook getting a big run and then starting kicking off the momentum. Like you mentioned, Adam Thielen there in the first half. But as far as what their offense did, what they did toward the end of the first half with how long that drive lasted and then toward the end of the game where they took the clock and they took it seven minutes. They took seven minutes off of it in the fourth quarter and then that that would lead to the Robbie Gold missed field goal. But I just think that the way that they have been winning these games, sure, the defense is going to give up a big play or two. That's bound to happen when it comes to, you know, playing a team like the Vikings, who, outside of Kirk Cousins, they're a very talented team with Adam Thielen and, uh, like you mentioned, and then Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison's a nice number two back, a nice number two back to have behind Dalvin Cook. Like, you know, when Dalvin Cook goes down, it's not the end of the world. You still have Alex, Alexander Madison to lean on there. But I just felt like as I'm watching the game and the statistics may not show it, it just felt like the 49ers had their number. I know they started off you know, going down seven to nothing and then having to tie it seven to seven, but even then going into the half, only it being tied fourteen to fourteen and the forty ers are getting the ball back. Just to me it felt like they were really they were controlling the tempo of the game. They were controlling things at the line of scrimmage. I understand that the O line did give up a couple of sacks to Garoppolo. It's not to say that they're off the hook, but the way that they were pounding them with the run with Debo and with Elijah Mitchell. I thought it was just a very impressive showing for the 49ers. They seem to be hitting their stride right now. But toward the end of the third quarter, as I mentioned, there was that one play with Dalvin Cook where they forced the fumble, and it turned out that Dalvin Cook would be hurt, and now he's set for an MRI this morning. Thought it was his knee because they kept on showing that replay over and over and over again. And everyone's so focused on the knee, then it turns out that it's a shoulder injury. So he's getting an MRI on that tomorrow. And then 
when the 49ers would get the ball back the following play, Debo would get the ball for a run, and then when he stops in his tracks to try and make a cut, it looked like his hamstring had kind of given out. Everyone was looking at uh, the you know the tackle as they should, but it turns out that there was a problem with the leg. And shout out to Jonathan Vilma for getting that part correct with uh, with Debo there. But um, here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say after the game regarding Debo's injury because Debo did not return, although he looked in really good spirits in the fourth quarter when he's on the sideline. That was actually very entertaining when the Fox director is telling their their uh, their camera people to make sure to put it on Debo and keep it on Debo because he is the star of this game. And he was having some fun on the sideline in the fourth quarter. But here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about Debo's injury. I think he was just disappointed. I, you know, I think I, I, we have no idea what it's going to be like. I don't think it's as, as bad as you worry. You know, we're hoping it's a low, a low strain. You know, he, he feels that it might be. You know, he, he felt it, which you know, that's what happened to Debo in the first play of the game versus Washington last year. I think that's what happened to him in the fourth quarter versus New England. Uh, you can tell when he feels something, he stops right away. And that's why I knew right away on the first step of that that something was there. And But by the time that he got to the sidelines, he feel like he saved a real bad injury, and we'll have to find out tomorrow. And he certainly does, because in 2020, he had a foot injury, but in 2019, that's when things started. So he had a grade two groin strain. He only missed one game because of that. Then he was sidelined for three games, as uh, Kyle Shanahan there just mentioned. He had a, a hamstring strain, grade two again, and that was toward the end of October against the Patriots. And then they would he would end the season in December and miss the final three games with another hamstring strain. And then he would also have a glute strain in joint practices earlier this week. So this is something to monitor. But I'm also not going to worry about that right now. Not going to worry about that until until we get the MRI and we see what's to make what to make about it. I, I will say this: that if Debo's out for an extended period of time, I want to see how the offense is ran because I don't think it's any coincidence here that the offense has been one of, if not the best rushing offenses in the game, and that's just due to the threat of Debo Samuel. I mean, every single carry that he has, anytime he has the football in his hands, it feels like he's going to make something happen, and they only gave him six carries in this game, but it felt like 20, just because of how much of an impact he can make with one single run. I really don't know how guys can tackle him. I don't. But the way that the offense is going right now, they're hitting their stride. And I think that this was the game for me that solidified it. Now, looking forward at their schedule, they got the Seahawks, which is a very winnable game. The one against Cincinnati, that'll be fun to watch. That's going to be early December 12th on Sunday morning, and you're going to be in Cincy, so it's going to be a cold-weather game, no doubt. Then you go back home to face the Falcons. Then you go to Tennessee at the end of December for another cold-weather game against the Titans. And then you're going to be back at home against the Texans and back in L.A. against the Rams. So a lot of traveling is going to be done these next six weeks. But the way that the Rams are playing right now... The fact that they've lost a couple in a row and Matthew Stafford apparently is hurt everywhere on his body. He's playing hurt. It was a shoulder. It was an elbow. It was a back. It was everything with Matthew Stafford. But there's a chance that the 49ers could take the second spot within the NFC West. 
And and I, I think right now they've solidified themselves at least as a wild card team. Maybe more toward the end of the season. You never know what can happen. But that was a very overall entertaining week 12 for an NFL Sunday. But that 49ers and Vikings game and the way that the Vikings mismanaged everything toward the end. How do you have you know five minutes left and you have zero timeouts? How does that happen in the fourth quarter? Who knows if 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 they would have if if Kirk would have lined up under under center on that fourth down play ended it in a turnover and turnover on downs anyway. If he didn't line up under the guard, <laughs> instead he lined up under center, then maybe we could be talking about a different game. But that win that the 49ers had, to me, I know there are a ton of mistakes that the Vikings made, and there was some good along with it. I mean, don't get me wrong, the deficiency with the 49ers is with Josh Norman. I understand that he can force a fumble on any given moment, and he was celebrating. He was the one celebrating more than anybody at the end of the game. The cameras were on him, but that does not take away that he had a bad game yesterday, and that is the deficiency as far, if you're looking at one, as far as this defense. It is within the secondary, uh, but we are going to see tomorrow, by or today, by the way, the MRI on Debo. Fred Warner uh, was out with the hammy. You'll notice there was a time when Fred Warner was on the sideline and he didn't come back into the game. I thought Aziz Alshair has actually been fantastic this year, uh, at least as, as far as being a, a run stopper and just a guy who's all over the field and, and, and finding whoever has the ball and getting to him. I think Al Shair has been fantastic. And there's also going to be an MRI on Trey Sermon today. So three uh, pretty significant players and, and ones that we need to pay attention to uh, today. But we're not going to make any sort of we're not going to try and draw any conclusions from it. We're not going to make any sort of predictions because none of us are doctors here. All I know is the 49ers got a huge victory here against the Vikings, and I want to talk more about it at 888 Oh, and I almost forgot. And I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna try and crap on this dude. It was a it was a good uh it was a overall good game. But the broadcast did have a couple of issues. One, they didn't even mention that Cousins was lined up under the guard. How do you not mention that he's not lined up the right way but also this moment from Jonathan Vilba I mean this made me laugh it was the catch that wasn't with Adam Thielen they called it incomplete the Vikings wanted to challenge it and this is what happened when they went to commercial break and then they came back into the segment here's what happened on the challenge call with that Adam Thielen and Adam Thielen incompletion Minnesota is challenging the ruling on the field of an incomplete pass time out one more look. Donovan Vilma thinks it's a catch. We'll yes, I do, sir. My eyes don't lie, baby. Ruling on the field, an incomplete pass. So the Vikings lose the challenge. It will be third down and nine. And that's why I'm not the head coach, and that's why I don't throw challenge flags. Tough, Pete. We'll continue to talk 49ers, Vikings on the other side. Plus, we've had some free agents, free agent moves within Major League Baseball, and also the Warriors and their win over the Clippers in the matinee showing on Sunday. We'll get to all that in the final half hour here. It's good to be back. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in? Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game.
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. From the 408, this 49ers win was great. was a great team win, but it shows the 49ers can win with timely defensive stops and a running game, even with mediocre quarterback play. And that's why I'm so confident right now in the Niners because I also got the text here from the 925. Pump the brakes. 49ers beat the sub-500 Vikings. Biggest fair-weather fan base in the NFL. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. There are plenty of fair-weather fan bases out there, but I see where you're coming from. I just thought that going into this game in Week 12, if you would have lost this one and they would have been 5-6 and six to the Vikings... And after losing to the Vikings, and the Vikings would have been six and five, and you would have been scraping at a possible seventh seed to squeak into the wild card. Then I would have been looking at this. I would have been sky's falling guy. I really would have. That's how I thought. That's how much the implication was to me. How heavy the weight was of this game. That's what I thought the implications were right there. Where it was to me, how they won this game against the Vikings. It showed me that. They are ready to be a playoff team. And oh yeah, by the way, Ian Rappaport on NFL Network. I haven't even mentioned this yet. I could play the minute-long clip for you if you wanted. And this is an audio medium, and I probably should be doing that. But I'll just tell it to you verbatim. He says that the plan is for the 49ers, barring a Super Bowl appearance, their plan is that in 2022... Trey Lance is going to be the starter. Garoppolo, they hope to trade away at that point. We shouldn't expect to see Garoppolo in 2022 in a 49ers uniform. Of course, barring a Super Bowl win. So, this is what this is the team that you're going with this season. There's no more changes that are being no more changes being made. You know, if you ever thought that there was a chance that Trey Lance could come in, I would think that if the Niners would have lost this game to the Vikings, that actually, yeah, maybe there is a chance that he comes in later on in the season. But them getting this win here, nope. That's put any of that talk to bed. This is the time now where you're racing for playoffs. And you're hoping to get that fifth seed. Right now, the Rams have that fifth seed because they do have seven wins on the year. Um, The Rams have that fifth seed, but the Niners have the sixth. And right now, the Vikings have the seventh, and they're in that race with the seventh uh, with the Washington football team. So you have some winnable games coming up here, but the travel schedule's a lot. So as long as you could stack up wins, this one to me is huge. I'm going to look back on this one personally, this Week 12 win, and think to myself, all right, that was the one to me where that showed me they're a playoff team. That's just really, that's really where I'm at. It's solidified now. It's solidified. And and with Garoppolo, I, I, I do think that he had a okay game. 17 of 26, 230 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But he's all he does is throw the ball over the middle of the field on these slants. I don't understand how the defense isn't ready for that. But I will say that on third down, Garoppolo has been very good. It feels like that's been his main job. It's, hey, run the offense. Make sure to get these guys lined up. Make sure you line up under the center. Don't be like the guy Kirk Cousins on the opposite end who lines up under the right guard and tries to take a snap. Don't do any of that. Make sure you line these guys up right. Make sure you get them in the right formation. Make sure you get the right play call in. 
and we'll run the ball the first two downs a variety of ways, whether it's a Debo jet sweep or we just hand it off to Elijah. But on that third down, we're going to need you to make some third down passes if we're not within running territory. If we're not within running territory. Like, that's where I'm at with Garoppolo. It's just make sure you're accurate on third down. Make sure you're accurate on third down, which he was yesterday. Now, overall, as a team, they were 5 of 12, but there were plenty of third down plays where I thought Garoppolo looked good, but also Kyle Shanahan. And I haven't given Kyle Shanahan enough credit. These past three weeks, he's been fantastic. Now, the personnel decisions... The game management, with which some people have a problem with, when to call timeouts, when to go for it on fourth down, we didn't have any of. We haven't had any any of that really these past three games because he's just done it with his play calling, with the X's and O's. He's controlled the clock with his run schemes, and I thought the O line was great in terms of run blocking yesterday. I thought they were creating holes for Elijah Mitchell, and Elijah Mitchell was just awesome at breaking tackles yesterday. But also, the same thing for Debo Samuel. I mean, Debo Samuel doesn't always get it done without good blocking. I mean, look at that first carry that he had in the game where he got stuffed maybe four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage. I, I think that uh, I, I think that Kyle Shanahan has just been, as they say, in his bag when it comes to play calling. And then you get wide receivers who are wide open, and then you'll get those random plays where maybe they'll throw to Charlie Warner for a first down or get it to Jawan Jennings for a touchdown. That throw was actually really nice by Garoppolo, by the way, on that uh, on that Jennings touchdown. But. 423 total yards compared to the Vikings 323 so over 100 more yards 15 more plays and they had the same amount of drives that's because of the personnel that Shanahan has and it's him using them to bring out the best in their strengths that's what Kyle Shanahan's been good at doing that's why people tout him so highly But the minute that they lose a game, everyone goes up in arms and says, oh, we need a new head coach and all that stuff. From the 510, love that Kyle got into Jimmy's face after the pick. That's some playoff accountability. That's from Oreo Cookie, and Oreo Cookie texting in from Oakland. Here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about the playoff weight of today's game because you could hear it through the TV. Levi's was insane yesterday. When they were making those fourth down stops and, you know, when they got up 28-14, to To start off that third quarter, I do give the Vikings a lot of credit for coming back. They were able to overcome the crowd, but the crowd was so loud in yesterday's game. And here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about the weight of that game. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if it's the weight because of playoff implications and records or things like that. I think it's the weight because of where the two teams are both at in the year. You know, we didn't play. We feel as good of balls we should have early in the year. And I think Minnesota, I mean, speaking for them, I think they felt the same. And I think both of us have been playing real good ball these last couple of weeks. And we knew we had some ground to make up. And that's why we believed it would be like a playoff game because of how the two win. Two teams are playing inspired and got everything on the line, and that's why it's a good football game for people to watch. It's not always the most fun, intense-wise, for everybody, but we're proud of our guys, how they handled it, and all the different stuff that came throughout the game. Um, Right when it seemed we were good, we weren't, and guys just kept coming. It's a very enjoyable brand of football to watch, and it's it's refreshing. You know, in in a league where everything is so pass-heavy, when you get a running team and it works – 
it's unbelievable to watch. Like, you watch the Ravens, and they're getting their run game going, and there are moments in yesterday's game where, you know, for example, in that Ravens and Browns game, the Ravens and the 49ers are very similar in that sense, in that they're going to try and run the ball at different ways. I guess you can throw the Falcons in there since they've been using Cordero Patterson, but he's not even just a, they're not even mixing it up with any other running backs. He's just the wide receiver who is the running back, so it's a little bit of a different situation. But when I watch these two teams, I know they're going to run the football. It's just a question of how they're going to run it. And the Ravens, they have their quarterback. But the 49ers, they have their wide receiver. And you look at the Ravens' play calling yesterday. They had a moment with eight minutes left in the game. They were up 13-10 to where they could just run the ball right at you and then... You know, try and run the clock out and then get a first down, maybe get a third down, uh, a third down pass from, you know, third and six or whatever it is. But we're going to run the clock down. But instead, they go three and out with those eight minutes left. And it was very uninspiring. And you're just thinking, damn, that's not the type of Ravens football I wanted to see. But the type of 49ers football you want to see is when they do run the ball. And that's exactly what they did with eight minutes left in this game against the Vikings. And they took seven minutes off the clock. It just ended in a Robbie Gold missed field goal we can we can talk about kicker contracts if you want to for this entire show but I think it's a very enjoyable brand of football and when Oreo Cookie is talking about Kyle Shanahan getting in Jimmy's face after the interception here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say after the game about that situation oh I just I just want to hit him here directly for me on the headset you know I'm talking to coaches and they can pass along information and you know I just told him the obvious what he missed and told him to let it go and we're going to come right back to you and we need you to be aggressive with from the rest of the game and and he was and handled it right I will say, I I have questioned, just based on what I've seen on the field and the types of plays that he does call, I have questioned how much faith Shanahan has in Garoppolo. But at least he has the wherewithal to go talk to his quarterback after he makes a mistake. Did you see, uh, maybe they just didn't show it on the TV But I didn't see Mike Zimmer go anywhere near Kirk Cousins after Cousins drove down the field and then on fourth down lined up under the right guard. I didn't see Mike Zimmer talk to Cousins after that at all. I I mean, I think Zimmer's totally out on Cousins. He has to be totally out on Cousins because those types of things happen in the big moments. But you at least have that with Shanahan and Jimmy. You at least have that. Let's get to the other callers here at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Let's go to the first line. You understand how I do it on the pregame show. I take your calls live on the air because I am in the producer studio and do not have the ability to screen calls at this current time. So what is your name? Where are you calling from? You're on the air. Good morning, Mr. Director Producer. Mitch from New Jersey. Mitch from New Jersey. What's going on, Mitch? Uh, it's going well. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. You too, man. Hey, uh I tell you uh this Debo. Debo reminds me of Terry Melcher, Terry, um, Terry Metcalf. Sorry, that was the other producer. Sorry, I'm going back. Don't, don't look up the history of that name, Terry Melcher. It, it, it's sad. But anyway, he's a heck of a wide receiver slash running back. I can't wait for the four hours to get back. Moss, Moss, is that his name? Did he come back this year? And would you say both is going to take some MVP, MVP votes from, uh, Debo? Appreciate the phone call. Interesting. So, well, I, I, I Bosa had a sack yesterday, but 
I do think that Debo deserves to be within that MVP conversation because he has completely changed everything. And I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, and I'll, I'll bring it back here at 550. But there's a play that was really a non-sequitur in the game. It was what we'd seen from Elijah Mitchell a lot, which was just an Elijah Mitchell first down. But what you notice on the first down is he has a huge gap on the outside that he can run through. And you're seeing Harrison Smith being blocked, the safety for the Vikings. You're seeing Harrison Smith being blocked by Brandon Ayuk. And if you watch the replay, you're wondering to yourself, why is Harrison Smith bouncing to the outside? What is he doing? It's an Elijah Mitchell run out of the shotgun. Where's his attention going? Well, it turns out his attention is going towards Debo Samuel, who is lined up on the complete opposite side of the formation. But then Garoppolo calls him in motion, and he goes in what they call an orbit motion, if I'm not mistaken, where he goes like five yards behind the quarterback. So Debo's running behind Garoppolo and in sync. They snap the ball as soon as Debo's there, and there's the possibility that they could just toss it to Debo and he bounces to the outside, or they give it to Elijah Mitchell. But what they did, obviously, was give it to Elijah Mitchell, and the reason that Harrison Smith is being blocked by Brandon Ayuk is because Smith is so focused on Debo that he doesn't even pay attention to the running back. That he doesn't even pay attention. That's the type of uh, attention that Debo commands right now. He's commanding these double and triple teams because if you line them up one-on-one with somebody... You're not going to be able to tackle him. It's very rare. It felt like the only time we saw him get tackled was at the beginning of the game. And then, of course, when he did end up getting injured. But I'm hoping that at the end of the fourth quarter with how um, it, it seemed like he was in good spirit. So I don't think it's going to be that much of a, a, of a serious injury. I don't know if it's going to be uh, even, a, even a week. We'll see because um, the MRI comes out today. But... The way that Debo's been playing these past couple of weeks and the way that Kyle Shanahan's been using him, I, I mean, it's it's just so fun to watch. It's so fun to watch. And let me play this one more time for you. Here's Kyle Shanahan talking about Debo's injury. I think he was just disappointed. I, you know, I think I, I, we have no idea what it's going to be like. I don't think it's as, as bad as you worry. You know, we're hoping it's a low a low strain. You know, he, he feels that it might be. You know, he, he felt it, which you know, that's what happened to Debo in the first play of the game versus Washington last year. I think that's what happened to him in the fourth quarter versus New England. Uh, you can tell when he feels something, he stops right away. And that's why I knew right away on the first step of that that something was there. And But by the time that he got to the sidelines, he feel like he saved a real bad injury and we'll have to find out tomorrow hopefully you can overcome that with you know i mean it was only six carries for 66 yards so it's not like cordero patterson where they're having him carry the ball 16 times it's not to that extent but he is involved within every play and he only had one reception again for 12 yards except this time he did have four targets it just so it just so happened that Garoppolo wasn't as accurate as he's been these past couple of weeks but you can overcome an injury like that just by the play calling and making sure that the defense is in the right coverage to where you're going to be able to fool them with Debo this dude is just such a valuable player. And what's crazy is Debo and Ayuk are both still within their rookie contracts. So Debo this season is making 
what they spent a one point five million dollars on him. Excuse me, one point two. They spent one point two million dollars on Debo Samuel this year. That's just below Byron Pringle. That's just above T. Higgins and Michael Pittman and John Ross and Lavishka Cheneau and T. Higgins and Michael Pittman are two good wide receivers. But think about it. You are getting the most dynamic receiver right now for his rookie contract. And there's a chance that they've already decided, and maybe you as a fan at 888-957-9570, think that Debo deserves that contract extension. Weren't really sure at first because of the injury history, and he has had a history with the groin, the quad, the hamstring, whatever you want to call it, just problems around his legs. Sure, he's had those, but also that hasn't really kept him out for that extended of a period of time. But you're getting a lot of good value right now for your one player. And if Ian, what Ian Rappaport says is true, where you're not going with Jimmy Garoppolo in 2022, this is his last season and you're going to be going with Trey Lance next year. That's what Ian Rappaport of NFL Network said prior to the game starting yesterday. I mean, this is the one right here. This is the one, and really it feels like Debo is the perfect wide receiver to have for Jimmy Garoppolo because he can be open in the middle of the field. He's not afraid to go to the middle of the field, and Garoppolo can put it in the perfect spot. And and Debo's probably going to get hit, and you don't want to give him that many targets. But it seems like, you know, the 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 going forward in the season, this is the team that you're rolling with right here. And I think Debo has really done enough already to possibly start negotiating that big contract. But we need to wait to see what happens because the one knock, if there was any on him, it wasn't the talent that he had, because we'd seen what he could do with the yards after the catch. We hadn't necessarily seen him high point a ball on the sideline, or um, we'd seen him make a a, a deep catch earlier this season. Um, I think that was against the Bears, but we've also seen him get hurt, and, and that's really where people were hesitant to call him that number one receiver, because you hadn't seen him too much on the field, and it was that hamstring. So, it would have a definite impact on this team if he were to miss significant time. But by the looks of it, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that significant. I don't know if it's going to be more than a week, if that. From the five one zero, one point two is almost my contract. That's from Zucci Main. <laughs> from the five one zero, hate to say this, but if Debo has a groin pull, he's out for two to three weeks, and without him, the 49ers' offense will be in trouble. They won't have someone to be the focus, and you're 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 probably right, five one zero, but we also don't know. We don't know. And also from the five one zero, nice guy. We have to give Ayuk love too. I thought Ayuk in the in the opportunities that he had and the targets that he got. He was schemed open in such a way where there was just no one around him. He didn't really have to make many contested catches in his three receptions for 91 yards on his six targets. But I'll say this about Ayuk. Seems like he's turning into the mouthpiece of this offense. Doesn't it seem like whenever there's a whenever there's a scrap going on when it, when it's a I mean we saw with we saw with Jawan Jennings last week but whenever there was a scrap going on yesterday maybe it was just in yesterday's game Ayuk was the one jawing. Did anyone else notice that? And I haven't even mentioned this yet, but shout out to Kyle Yuschek. Kyle Yuschek he had a couple of receptions yesterday, and one of them 
was in a, with a situation where he gets the ball within the re, within the within the red zone, so within twenty yards, and he tries to hurdle over the defenders from the seven yard line, and those three guys just stuck it in there, and he didn't get over anybody. But shout out to Kyle Uzcheck, I love. The confidence that he had in trying to make that hurdle. Hell, Brandon Ayuk had one of those too. Kind of the same one. I think it was against the. Uh, was it against the Eagles that the one that Ayuk had, where he just jumped over the dude? It was kind of the same thing with this game, except he just you know didn't make it this time. And from the four one five and Kittle and Mitchell, don't forget those guys. And I, I thought Elijah Mitchell just ran super hard yesterday. And I I I do want to if if Debo's out. If he if he is out for for more than you know a week, you need to see Kittle's targets go up. You need to because he's the one. If you're if you're asking about uh, whenever someone says here from the five one zero, they're worried about who the focus would be. Well, George Kittle would have to turn himself into the focus because when that dude's the focus, the 49ers offense is humming. Now, the run game was working very well against the Vikings, and they could do just that against the Seahawks. The Seahawks' run defense is not very good. The Vikings' run defense was not very good. I think they could take advantage one more time. But then when you're going up against teams like Cincinnati in these cold-weather games and the run run game possibly isn't working because you're clearly going to go to that, George Kittle's going to have to be the one to take up that attention. He is. All right, before we get to the morning roast, I just got to play one highlight and one highlight only. Steph Curry. Ridiculous. Comes Curry. Yep. Curry crosses midcourt, takes the left sideline, stops, fades, fires. Ridiculous! Ridiculous! Over a double team! <laughs> I'll tell you what, he didn't get the call from the officials. He is making his own play today. I'd never seen Curry. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.